Someone who always makes us happy. We walk in the door maybe feeling a little blue, maybe feeling a little bit depressed about the light being a little less. But this guy doesn't have to paint our toenails to make us happy. <laughs> Sometimes he sings to us, though. May I introduce to you our very own spiritual director, Dr. Patrick Cameron. All right, good morning. Let's make Gord take his shoes off before the service is over. All right. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's, there's no place like home. And it was, I had a wonderful trip. I was gone last weekend. And it's great to be back. So what I'm going to invite you to do right now with me is uh, sing a song. If you'd like to stand while we sing that, that would be cool. And if not, then stay seated and we'll sing a song. And let's continue to build the, the vibration of the Most High. That is so tangible as we come together in community. And that becomes our intention. very room there's quite enough love for all the world and in this very room there's quite enough joy for all the world and there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit spirit is in this very room in this very room in this very Know with me, and I invite you to allow my words to be your words in this moment. But it is the consciousness upon the words, beneath the words, that is truly the conveyance. And in this moment, what I know is I open my heart and mind and invite you to enter into that, that cave of the heart with me. That is that, that center of our lives where that, that beauty and that majesty and that brilliance and that, that pure potentiality lives. And so I just know this day that every one of us is resource supplied, reminded of our divinity, reminded, reminded of our true nature in a profound and powerful way through the joy, through the beauty, through the celebration of coming together and sharing our wisdom silently, verbally, through song, through our hugs. So I give thanks for this beautiful community. I stand in tremendous gratitude today in this, this beautiful, beautiful environment, in this beautiful spiritual home that aligns itself so beautifully with so many other beautiful spiritual homes on the planet. Let us continue to give birth to that which seeks expression by means of us individually and collectively. It is powerful beyond measure. This is our gift to ourselves and our gift to the world, for there is no private good. And for this I give thanks. Together we say, and so it is. Thank you, Stefan. Thanks, Gord. Brian, you going to stay and dance with us? Brian's got to catch a bus. Okay, it's all right. Anyway, uh, 
I, I think I just gave the best talk of my life the last hour, so I don't know if I have anything left to say, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> Actually, uh, I just got back from a, a couple of trips I went on, and I'll, I'll weave that into what I have to say, because it was very, it was very powerful and very potent and, and wonderful, wonderful stuff. We've been talking about spiritual partnership. We've been talking about, you know, what we are is that we are a community that teaches two things. We teach healing and we teach ancient wisdom principles. And the reason that we come together together to, to do this in celebration is, and yesterday we did a, a learning service. We did a three-hour uh, co-creation learning service here. It was beautiful. We had about 18 people that showed up, and we did it right here. We talked about a lot of the principles and a lot about uh, the framework. See, so what Dr. Ernest Holmes, our founder, did was he gave us a, a, a practice to help access the presence. And if we do that consistently, we have that opportunity. And what we are is we are a teaching that, that imparts wisdom. So when we come and we share wisdom, hopefully there's a piece of it that you can take into your own life and, and apply it in a meaningful way. And, and then you have the experience, then you become what Ernest Holmes would call, and we, we speak about it often, is the Christ consciousness. The Christ for many people, if you're brought up, brought up and raised, and I was as well in a traditional teaching, it was the idea that Jesus the, the personality and Jesus the, the healer and Jesus the son of God. And all of those things, of course, are true. But, but what, what Holmes did was said that all of us are the sons and daughters of God, and all of us are that pure potentiality. And in the Science of Mind textbook, he writes that Christ, the chapter is finding the Christ, by the way. Christ is the truth of who we are, that Christ is the individualized essence, the activity of God, love in us, that light of the living God. So when Holmes talked about the Christ, it was the principle. It wasn't to discount or dis- diminish the story and the, the beautiful story of this, this amazing uh, itinerant minister that changed the world. What an impact he had. 2,000 years ago, we're still talking about him. Because it is that consciousness that's still alive, and his consciousness continues to, to evolve, as does Ernest Holmes. That's why the, the writing is still so alive for us, because when we open up those books, that individual's consciousness is still evolving. And so what happens for us is that we come together, and, and so we're teaching based on those ancient wisdom principles, not so much about tradition, more so about the spiritual experience and our own uh, interaction with it. And so what the, what the goal is then is to ex- express love. And love is that presence of, of the Christ within us. And what it looks like, so that we understand what it looks like, is there's two qualities to it. Uh, one is beauty. Love looks like beauty. Wherever we see beauty, it's, it's God. We did, we did uh, Doug Soprovich's uh, uh, memorial here uh, Friday, and Marie and Levi are here, and it was such a, this place was just full of people. Uh, for two hours, it was just an amazing, powerful experience. Um, I went home, and I just, I was, I don't know how you did it, I was just out of gas. I, I couldn't even get out of the chair. It was so, there was so much energy in the room. But one of the things about Doug's life was Doug was an artist. He was a, he was a woodworker and a, a builder and a contractor, but he, all of his artwork was here, beautiful portrait arts and, and just everything in his life was art. And so it was beauty. So Doug's spiritual practice was beauty. When, when Gord gets up and sings a song, it's beauty, it gets expressed. And, and when Brian, who just left, Brian McLeod, or all of our artists, who's Hodge and, and everybody that comes up here, what they've done is they, they, they've, they've taken that divine urge within them and they've developed the discipline and the structure in their own life so they can express beauty. So love looks like beauty. What love feels like is joy. 
So what we're about is we're, 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 we're a community of love that expresses beauty and joy at its highest possibility and potential. And so where we line up on that, it gives us an opportunity to either participate in that, depending on the level of, of consciousness we're in, because there's levels of consciousness. And I'm going I'm to speak to that in a moment, but what I want to do is I'm going to do a spiritual practice with you right now. I'm going to invite people to stand up. We're going to do a little dance. We're going to do a little moving. And I promise the first service, because I don't have any dance background, that I'll take lessons and get better at this. So let's all stand up. I'm going to have uh, Bill cue up a song for us that is done by Jesse Cook. Um, he's a wonderful Canadian artist, okay? So now you, you can start moving. If you're not a dancer, you can just spin your fingers like this and go like that with your head. All right, shuffle to the left. Shuffle to the right. We can spin around. Now you can do your releasing prayer to this music. Yeah. Do, do, do. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. I think, the, I think the first service actually had it going on a little bit better. Let's throw ourselves into it here. Not that I'm comparing or taking notes. Yeah, there we go. And if you get those hands up in the air, you just invite spirit into your life. The love, the light, the beauty, the joy, the possibility. This is the only moment, this is the eternal moment. And to stand in the beauty and the celebration and the grace and the gratitude of being alive together. Woo! Yes! This is a, this is a rising tide of love right here. Yes! Woo! I remember this move from uh, John Travolta. It's the only moves I got. But I think we should take a collection this year and get me some dance lessons and we can really live. Or attract a dance teacher. All right. Yeah. All right, thank you, Bill. Woo! So do you feel different right now than when you came in? So this morning I got up and I put that baby on and I played it over and over again. And my son Davis, who's in the basement, was up till 3 in the morning. And he, I'm sure he was up with me listening to it and jamming on it too. But we're immersed in it. And our aliveness and our, and our, and our passion and our joy... And so we have this beautiful music that we can dance to and we can move to. And it's such, a, it's such a comfort. It's such an inspiration. We all have those soundtracks to our life, do we not? We all have those songs that are sweet to us and special. I used to play this in my cabinet shop when I needed the guys to get something done. I come on and go, okay, boys, it's time to start moving. And we'd be going like this across the shop floor. And, but it got people moving. So... What happens with, with the love? What happens with the beauty? What happens with the joy? What happens for all of it is, is that we get to decide, as, as Gary Zukoff's book talks about spiritual partnership, we get to decide, is our spiritual life our priority? 
Is this your priority or not? And my guess is it is. And we see it everywhere we are. There's no limitation to it. In the, in the, in the, the uh, uh, kingdoms of consciousness, I just got back from Marcia Sutton. I'll tell you what a, what a beautiful, amazing experience that is. She's a, she's a woman that's put together this co-creation material that I've been introducing. And every time I go, I'm just so blessed. I got to, my, air, my, uh, my plane was a little late, and I got to Phoenix, and, and I couldn't get a rental car right away because a NASCAR was in town. So everybody's lined up for NASCAR cars, and you know, see the race, and I'm trying to get to the meeting, and I'm, I'm stressing, and I'm thinking all these things. And then finally it just hit me about halfway up the mountain. I said, just mellow out. You're going to walk into a, a wave of love. And sure enough, I walked in, and it was like, hey, hugs. You know, there are 14 of us, and I'm, I'm telling you, they're just, uh, oh. And, and, and that's the experience we have here many times. So it was like going home, like, yeah, I know you guys. Because the joy and the beauty is there, and the love is there. It's just the beingness of who we are. And so, is our commitment, is our community one of fear or love? Because if we live in, a, in the kingdoms of consciousness that I'm going to use, because it's such a great uh, map, the first kingdom is victimhood. And so, all of us experience victimhood. We still do it. It never goes away. It's there. So, when, what happens when we, we get an unexpected bill and we get upset? It happens when we get cut off in traffic and we get upset. It happens many, many times, the things that happen that we don't plan but that are disappointing to us, to say the least. But the deal is, is we have enough awareness and wisdom and insight so we don't stay there. So there's the victim consciousness. The second one is the by me consciousness. It is the, it is the, the uh, awareness that the intuition starts to kick in. We start to live from our intuition and we start to, to direct our lives. We realize we're not stuck. We can make changes. And so we start to build that consciousness. But what happens for us is we're building the consciousness. We have the ideal. I want to read you Holmes's quote on this because it's so beautiful. Until you go down to the root of the error, you will not have a demonstration. So we talk about demonstrations, which is just bringing something into form. And so if we're not having that demonstration, it just simply means there's something at the root that we haven't pulled up and looked at. And we don't have to go through years and years of psychoanalysis. We just have to pull it up and take ownership of it and say, this is mine. Ah, and do I want to continue to participate in that or not? Which is what Zukov's talking about in his book. The first, the first principle, the first guideline, as I pull it up here and make sure I don't get ahead of myself, the first guideline is intuition. But you can't access intuition from victim consciousness. I know. I have a PhD in victim consciousness. You can't, you can't hear that voice. See, in that voice, I love the story of the guy. This guy every day comes home from work. He lives here in Edmonton. And he, he comes home from work and he hears this, this voice, this interior voice. says, sell everything. Sell the house, the car, everything. Take your money and fly to Vegas. And the guy keeps hearing this voice. Pretty soon he's hearing it at night and he's hearing it in the morning and going to bed and he's dreaming about it at night. So he finally says, all right. Sells everything, takes a, the satchel money, goes to Vegas, and he gets there, and this still small voice says, go to Harris, Harris Casino. I says, okay. He gets over there. He says, go to the roulette table. All right, he walks over. He says, put it on 17. He says, oh, are you sure? Yep, yep, yep. Puts all the money on 17. Ball rolls around, rolls around forever. Number 21 hits. And the guy li- listens, quiets down for that still small voice, and he hears, oh, crap. <laughs> Still small voice doesn't work that way. Consulting intuition is asking a question and then listening for an answer. 
Zukov says that no physical teachers, these, the non-physical teachers will not tell you what to do. But what it will do is lead you to the full scope of possibility and depth of your creative capacity. So going back to these artists creating, what those artists do is they have to learn how to, how to play the instrument. They have to learn how to put the music together. But all the notes are available. All the notes are available. You can play whatever you can, but, but through their, their expertise and through honing their skills and through the intuition and what's calling forth in their heart, there's not one layer to it, it's multi-layered. They create something. There's Karen Porca. I love Karen's CD. Beautiful. But Karen had to learn how to, play. I had to put the music down. And so as artists in our own life, we might not be musicians, but we're metaphysicians. We're thinking people. We live in the kingdom too, for the most part. This is, I'm going to direct my life. This stuff's showing up. I'm picking new notes. I'm going to write a new song. And it's the same thing. And it works because it's a law. But if, we, if, but if, if there's something within me that keeps me from writing the song or the book or whatever it may be, or, or bringing something into creation, then I have to pull it up at, and look at the root of it and say, I want to write a brilliant book. I want to write a brilliant song. I want to be the best employee I can be. I want to be the best owner of a company that I can be. And that relates to the kingdoms as well. If you're in victim consciousness, you have a job. That's the kingdoms of livelihood. Marcia shared this with us when we were down there. I thought, wow, kingdoms of livelihood. If you're in kingdom one, you're a victim, you have a job. And you've all had a job. Anybody here have a job? <laughs> but a job you go, you don't have a whole lot of responsibility. There's expectations. There's guidelines. There's, there's nothing wrong with having a job. I've had many of them. In the kingdom, of, uh, kingdom two, which is where you start to live intentionally and your intuition starts to kick in, you move from job to career. You start having a career. You're, 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 you've set an intention to say, you know, I think I'd like to do that and go over there. And, it's, and then you start having a career, building it around what your inherent gifts and talents are, what you're drawn to. And then and in kingdom three, which is co-creation, which is in, in divine expression with the infinite, which is at times we're all there. I got up this morning, I'm doing my prayer practice. Man, oh man, the first 25, as Marcia says, is just getting warmed up. And I'm getting warmed up. And then I got to 25 to 45 and everything that I could think of came into my awareness, which for me is my resistance, which then says, stop and go take care of your talk, stop and go do this, stop and go this, so I just kept going. And when I hit 45 to 50, it was like, oh my gosh. I could just feel the shift in me. I released the belief in this, I released this, and I'm so grateful God is the freedom I am. I was in one room, Laura was in the other room doing her releasing prayer. Because that's what's alive for me right now, I wanna look at that and, and dissolve that. I've lived with that long enough. But in Kingdom 3, when you're there, you, you don't have a job and you don't have a career, you answer a call. Then your life becomes a calling. So you can see where you are, where you are in your spiritual journey, where, what kingdom you primarily are in. It's not a bad thing. We've all been in all those kingdoms, and we will continue to be. Think about all the people that you've dated in victim consciousness. Anybody here ever dated in victim consciousness? One person. Thank you, Valine. <laughs> I know you are very highly evolved. And who have you dated and found in, 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 con in the second kingdom? And who have you found and married or partnered with in the third kingdom? So you don't have to quit your job to make it a calling. All you have to do is shift your consciousness. I did that with my carpentry work. There was a period in time where I hated my carpentry work. I wasn't making enough money. I was working too hard. The customers were too difficult. Well, guess what was going on in me? What was alive in me was lack and struggle. When you're in that consciousness of victim, you can't bring anybody else in. 
Even though God wants to give you the gift, you're not ready to receive it. I wasn't. So I had to go to work, and I'll tell you what, it took me a long time. It took me years and years and years to shift that consciousness. What I love about Marsha's work, why I'm so passionate about it, it's quick, it's deep, and it can be painless, but normally it's not. Because what we're looking at are things that are painless, painful for us. We did this thing yesterday. People were crying here yesterday. I was handing Kleenex. I said, you go, you go. Good for you. You are in a sacred space. We are doing, we are doing transfer, transformative work here. When we come together on a Sunday, there's a, there's, a, there's a consciousness and a power because of what we stand for and the consciousness that has been laid down long before I got here that continues to build and grow. And see, what, what happens when we do our own work, it creates space behind us for other people to step in. So here's how it works for me. I go spend time with Marcia. I feel like I'm there a month. I'm there for a day and a half. I am exhausted when I leave physically. It is just so, it's so rich and wonderful and the ideas are flowing. I just come out of there. I'm just, oh my gosh. But it's so powerful. And what Marcia's done is she's done the work ahead of me so that I can step in behind her so that then I can bring it back to you and I can share it with you. This is why we have practitioners in our lives. These people don't just go through all this training because it looked like a fun thing to do. You could join the Rotary and have just as much fun, probably. But what you've done is you've made a commitment to do your work. And what happens, what I love about it is it, the work is very quick, very fast, very deep. And sometimes it's painful. But intuitively, I've been guided to that because I was in prayer work about this. So I'm listening to my intuition. What's the next thing for me to do? Well, if I spot it, I got it. What are the things alive in here? I want to move through this. I want to have a different experience. So I, I listen to that intuition, and I set the intention so the teacher will appear in my life. And I have many teachers. i got a long way to go. But the one thing I know about me is that I'm persistent. I'm going to do the work i got to do because I don't want to have to come back and do this again. And not because I don't love it, but I'd like to do something more interesting. I believe life is eternal. I believe it's an upward and outward spiral. And I believe we're here to give birth to consciousness. And the best way we do it is right here. Marcia said, right now on this planet, and I believe this is true, when she said it, I was just full of God bumps. She said, there is a wave of love arising on this planet right now, and there are people that are doing this work quietly and silently, we don't even see them, that are shifting and changing the consciousness on this planet. And I know that's true. When she said that, I was like, oh my gosh, so true. Because <laughs> it's time. Because we can't stay in the second kingdom forever and just manipulate we have to move. We have to move collectively, and that's the movement that's going on. Gary Zukov's writing about it when he talks about spiritual partnership, that we choose intentionally to live and make it our priority in our lives. Eckhart Tolle talks about it when he, he talks about, Marcia talks about the errors of belief and the words of resistance, and, Gary, and uh, Eckhart Tolle talks about the pain body. They're speaking the same language. It's just a different vocabulary. And what Marcia does, what I love about it, is a tool for dismantling. It's not only just pulling the pain up and looking at it, but it's saying no more. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm living an intentional life for my intuition, for my inspiration, and I choose. I'm setting intention to live in a different way. So if you've been wallowing in the mire of this, this thing, and what I know for this community is that we all do this work, then we all become the presence for other people to step in behind us. All of us. And that's what we're called to do here. This is a precious, precious teaching, and it's powerful I'm not trying to sell it to you because I think you need to be sold. But when I sit with Marcia and we do the work, I'm like, oh my gosh. And the stuff that comes up for me, oh. And it ain't comfortable sometimes. 
I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought I dealt with that. I get to put that down again? But it's setting that intention. Life doesn't get better by chance. It gets better by choice. And what are you choosing? What am I choosing today? Setting an intention. I remember back, um, I went to spend uh, a week, about a week before Christmas, I went to spend time with my grandmother. And my cousin was there. My cousin Pat, which was really confusing. Because when they deal Pat, I didn't know if they meant me or my cousin. But anyway, so grandma puts us in the room and she says, time to say your prayers. And we're in our jammies. And I think I was probably six or seven and we're saying our prayers. And my cousin's there and he's, he, and he's, he's saying his prayers. He said, I'd like a new sled, <laughs> hockey skates, helmet, stick, and a sorry game, and a checkerboard. And I said, why are you screaming your prayers? God's not deaf. He said, no, but grandma is. I think there's a grandma out there. <laughs> intentions are causes that create effects. And choosing an intention is the fundamental creative act, as Gary Zukov says. Every intention comes from either a loving part or a frightened part of our personality. To act from the healthiest parts of ourselves rather than caretaking, fixing, teaching, judging, blaming, gossiping. That we're going to fix one another. This is not a teaching of fixing one another. This is a teaching of looking deeply and empowering one another to do the work. I was shared in the first service uh, a while back. Someone came to me several years ago and they said, I have all of this. I have all of the qualities, everything within me, the possibility, the potential. I'm the, I'm the thief. I'm the liar. I'm the harlot. I'm the, I'm the joker. I'm the fool. I'm the, I'm the wisdom, wisdom person. I'm, I'm God within me, the Christ. I'm all that stuff from one end of the spectrum. We all are. And so what happens, when we, what happens with the creative process is we, we, we have passengers that we carry with us in the, this carriage of consciousness, as Marcia would say, in the coach to everywhere is the example she uses. But in that, when we start to react to something, when, we, when someone triggers something us, we have a reaction, what they're mirroring for us is that unhealed part of ourselves. When we respond in, 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 a, in a frustration or an anger in a way, it's that unhealed part of us. Just like when we, we see something loving. Our love, we match love. When Gord's up here singing about being happy, the only way we can identify and appreciate that is because the love and the joy and the celebration and the little kid in us goes, yeah. But it works the same way with the other stuff. So someone came to me and they said, you know, if you could just get rid of that little mean streak you got. And, and there are times, I've got to tell you, in my journey of ministry, when after I've done, I don't know how many sermons I've given and talked about this stuff, and one of the reasons that inspired me to do the co-creation, someone came to me and was pointing out a flaw, a little mean streak. And I didn't know what to say other than, thank you for sharing, because I've got to go home and think about this before I get angry. <laughs> I've learned how to keep my mouth shut very well. But the point is, now what I would say, knowing what I know in the perspective and saying it with great love, I can't help you with that. Because what they were saying was, I got a little mean streak going in me. And if I can just heal that, things will be perfect. Don't let me keep you from doing your work. And what happens is we project onto other people, you know, if you would get your act together, and what they think is, my life will be perfect, which is complete nonsense. It's, if you'd get your act together, then you'd have your act together. 
And it's having the grace and it's having the wisdom and it's having the understanding to, to realize that what we do is that we, we have neighbors. And what our neighbors do, as I said a moment ago, is they mirror for us the unhealed parts of our own being. So everyone that we confront in our lives that we react to is an opportunity that we actually signed up for this because the world, God so loved the world it sent its only sons and daughters to do this work. And that's what I love about the break. Marcia Sutton's not the end all and be all. There's great traditions in this world that are doing a lot of powerful, wonderful transformation of consciousness. And it's done through many modalities. But for the path that I have found and the path that I am on, it's such a good fit for me. It works for me. And so when, 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 when I find myself reacting and responding, then I get to look at it. And when, I, and when I'm triggered in the response, and it's a negative response, I'm in victim consciousness. And, and, and I have the awareness to realize I have enough spiritual practice, so I go do my, my, my meditation. I do my, my releasing prayer. I do something. I call a practitioner. I call practitioners all the time because it's painful. I need help. Can you help me with this? And part of it as metaphysicians is to think we got to, you know, we're masters of time, space, and dimension. No, we're not. We're just people that choose moment to moment. The spiritual path has no destination. It has no end. Pima Chodron, wonderful Buddhist monk. I think she lives in the Maritimes. And she says, we can use everything that happens to us as a means for waking up. And if we decide to wake up, then everything is a means for us to wake up. And it's just so powerful. And then you just got to laugh and celebrate. See, what I'm after, and I know you're after, see, what brought me to this teaching is I know there's something within me. And I've always known this, and you've always known this. There's something within me that has always known perfection, that is complete and whole, that has never been diminished. And And the moments when I've had that experience, I realize, wow, I'd like to have more of that. But I don't know if it's, if it's a reasonable expectation to think you're going to live in that all the time. Because we're going to react. What I find a lot of times when people are new to this is that, that all of a sudden what was not working in our lives becomes even more acute and more painful. Because you're pulling up and looking at it. And that's why you need people. That's why you need classes. That's why you need people that have gone before you to say, come here, come here, come here, come on over here. Let's talk about this. What's going on? What's going on with you? Where's that coming from? What's the error of belief that you're carrying with you that is, that is creating the resistance you have around that experience? So in other words, if I believe that there's not enough, very popular idea, by the way, if there's not enough, read the paper, watch the news, there's not enough. If the, and so if I'm, I decide to release my belief that there's not enough, which in my life, when I believe there's not enough, then I struggle, or I worry, or I get depressed, whatever it is, whatever my, and that's my defense mechanism. I release the belief there's not enough. I release my need to struggle, and I'm grateful God is the, the abundance I am. But it's layer upon layer upon, and it goes deep and far back. And as we clear this, so that's one tool that I find very powerful. I love doing it with the practitioners because the practitioners have done enough work in consciousness, so they're, they're, a, step, they're a little step further as I am. And so we get to do that work together. We can use everything that happens to us as a means for, for waking up. When I was um, flying down to, to Phoenix for the training, I was on an airplane. I sat down with this, this guy in his beautiful suit, and we got talking. And, and I usually don't tell people what I do because then I'm explaining science of mind for three hours. 
But I uh, had a weak moment. So what do you do? I said, I'm a preacher. So if anything happens to the plane where we need an emergency sermon, I've got one ready. And we got talking. And he was from a very, very, uh, uh, very fundamental Christian background. But we found the common ground. And he was talking about his belief in the devil and things. And I didn't go there with him at all because... For me, that's, a, a, that's an identifier for people that, of, of temptation in their lives. And it's an identifier of the, the dark parts of our personality and the reality of life. And it, and it reflects that experience of evil that people have. So, you know, I never feel like I've got to defend that. I just didn't put any energy on it. We talked about his own spiritual journey. And he was telling me about his sister. His sister was pregnant at 16, has had five kids with five different men, is now single and, and on uh, uh, government assistance. And his mom is penniless, and he's sending her money each month, and this guy's very, very successful. I said, what happened to you? Because he was telling me he just got back from New York, flying to Edmonton, he's, he's a rep for this big software company, and he's you know, doing really well, showed me his family, four kids, and looked very successful, but he said, he said, at one point in time, my relationship with my grandfather got healed, and I got that love. He said, otherwise I would have gone off the rails just like my sister. And I thought, how important that is for us to get the love. At some point, and it can be in the twinkling of an eye, as it says in Scripture. And so he didn't grow up with it, but he said he, he got it. He was ready for it in his grandfather. He said, never happened with my dad. My dad passed away. But he said, it happened with my grandfather. And I thought about that, and I thought about that. And, and so I was on the plane from Phoenix to Los Angeles going to the Leadership Council retreat board, board meeting. And um, this little girl comes on the plane, just adorable. She's got her own pillow, and she, she comes up, and she, I'm sitting on the aisle, and she's got a window, and so she points, and I said, and I stood up and said, where you been? I've been waiting for you. And she didn't think that was funny at all and kind of <laughs> gave me this, that kind of thing. And anyway, she put her little pillow down, and she had a tattoo on the back of her neck, and it said twin, and then a big B, and beautiful script on the back of her neck. And so she, she sat down, and she's, Got this pillow, and I said, well, that looks really comfortable after about five minutes of her. And she said, well, it's not my pillow. It's my sister's pillow. And I said, well, you know, it's a way to travel. Wish I had a pillow. Anyway, we got talking, and I said to her, because uh, I'm, the, I'm the, uh, the, the master of the obvious, I said, are you a twin? And she said, yes, yes, I am. And we got talking about her sister, and her sister lives in San Francisco, and her sister happens to be gay. So we got into that discussion. We were talking about gay marriage, and the election was just over, and on and on and on. Anyway, she's talking, and she, she's a... Uh, just graduated from university, and she wants to be a, uh, a, a documentary. She wants to make documentaries. So we got talking about that. And after about a half an hour, I said to her, her name was Gabrielle Gonzalez. And I tried to Facebook her. I said, hey, you on Facebook? Well, stay connected. There's about 600 Gabrielle Gonzalez on Facebook. <laughs> anyway, I said, Gabrielle, you know what I know about you? And she said, what? She said, you got loved at home. You got loved at home. She wasn't on the plane talking about her problems that she didn't have enough of this or that or whatever. She was there on fire to make a difference and change the world. And what I love about our teaching is whether you got loved at home or not, there's a pathway here for you to go home to yourself and develop and nurture that love. And there are enough people here that care about you deeply in a, in a very healthy way to nurture that. I told, I told Marie, I'm going to, Mentioned Marie again when I was going over and visiting Doug as Doug was uh, in his progression of health and, and uh, making his, uh, getting ready for his transition. But I said, every time I walked in there, that was such a home of love. 
She was just such an, I mean, just all of the feelings were there, all of the sad, and all of that, and still is. It's the mourning process. There was such love there. And every time I walked in and walked out, I thought, oh my gosh. Just this beautiful, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't mistake it for what it was. So maybe you didn't get loved at home. But it's not too late. That's just an error of belief you're carrying with you. You can put that down if you're called to that because I believe that that place in you that is pristine and always has been and always will be knows. There's something within you that knows. There's something within me that knows. And so then we become our own spiritual partners. We don't just, we don't just cave in because something is painful in our lives because life can be painful. But this is what everything has shown up to guide us and inform us so that we will wake up. We can use everything that happens to us as a means for waking up. And we can release these things, these errors of belief and these words of resistance more effectively when we stand in faith. One of the things I love about spending time with the leadership council is, it's, it's, once again, it's a group of love. It's a group of love. I get to go spend two days with people and then we go into this visioning and we go into the creativity and we're in that, we're in that third kingdom of possibility. And it's always so rich and wonderful. It's this feast of consciousness. And I think what's helpful for us is that it's not a destination. The spiritual path has no end point. There's no end point to this. I'm still doing my work. You're still, do, you're still in your work. It, the spiritual path has no end point. So, so the, the, the goal is not the end point. The goal is a process. To wake up each day. Say, what, why am I thinking this way? Why am I responding to this? What's my intention here? What is my intuition guiding me to? Am I living my life in the best places in myself, the best part of myself? Am I offering that to myself and to one another? Which means I'm not in victim consciousness. I might be in the second kingdom, directing, living intentionally, or I could be in co-creation. But this is the, this is the rising tide of love that's being, that's, and it's happening to all of us. As we, and all it requires is to continue to say yes and do the work. And wherever we are, we are. We've got to start where we are, not where somebody else is. It's not a competition. And the, and the beautiful thing is we are supported. There are people that have gone before us to do this. You know, I, every time I do a memorial, and I, I'm reminded again on, on Friday I said it, but our, our legacy to those we love that have gone forward is to live the best life we possibly can. In tribute to them. See, Doug's consciousness, Ernest Holmes' consciousness, the consciousness of Jesus of Nazareth is still evolving. Just because the body's not here does not mean the consciousness is not evolving. When Marcia shared with that, that with me about six months ago, Marcia Sutton, I thought, oh my gosh. I include all my descendants. All, I, I'm just in prayer all the time when, people, when my descendants come up now. My grandparents. All the people that have gone before me that are no longer informed. Praying for the evolution of their consciousness. Because we're all connected. We believe in oneness. It's a powerful, dynamic, deep, deep, deep opportunity for all of us. So it's just, it's wonderful. Thank you. I, I'm so, in such gratitude. Marsha, I'll leave you with this. Marsha always says, end every day and begin every day with gratitude. Gratitude is the feeling tone of abundance. And gratitude is that portal to love. And to, to celebrate the beauty and to celebrate the joy. Get up and, you know, and, and dance a little bit, perhaps. You know, celebrate our bodies and our ability to think and have this opportunity. And to give birth to something bigger than just our own small needs. 
It's just such a wonderful thing. It's, it's a wonderful, amazing thing to be part of this rising tide of love, which you are. So it is.